So we have with us now on the conversation is a frequent guest, Michael Olson, joining us again. And again, we're going to be talking about China because China is in the news. And this time we're on the tail end of a Pelosi visit. Our House Speaker uh, made a Southeast Asia or Asia trip. And despite the fact that China did not want uh, the House Speaker Pelosi to go to Taiwan, uh, she did anyway, and now they have cut diplomatic ties. Uh, they're firing off test missiles. They are uh, saying that they are not going to work with uh, America or the United States. And here to unravel all of that is the host and producer of China Watch, the radio program that originates out of KSCO in Santa Cruz. Michael Olson joins me. Uh, good day, Michael. How are you? And thanks for joining me on the conversation. Well, thank you very much, Jill. I am just right, and I'm looking forward to a conversation. But I have to beg to differ with you. I don't think we're at the tail end of anything. Well, that's probably an accurate statement. Uh, the, the tail end of the original story, you know, I, actually, you're right. I stand corrected. This, how, how far, well, first of all, you, you probably, as a, as a Westerner, understand more of what happens in Xi Jinping's mind more than the average American, simply because of your studies and your background. So tell me what do you think is going on in the mind of Xi Jinping? Well, first of all, you know, I believe the Chinese are very adept at three-dimensional chess and, dipl and diplomacy. Uh, they're looking way off into the future, and I believe they are looking to uh, dominate the world. And they see the way of doing that. And so I think that's what's in Xi Jinping's mind. Now, as to the, you know, temporary skirmishes in that long-term battle, I think Pelosi's a, one good example. Now, it's kind of, it's kind of a real interesting mishmash of, of things that are going on. First of all, why did Pelosi go to Taiwan now? Uh, that's an interesting question in itself. Because, well, uh, I, I suppose the easy answer is that she was shoring up her alliances in, in, in Asia proper. In other words, it wasn't her only stop. But what what is your speculation on that? Why did she go? Well, I, I think it's a very opportune time for her to show her bona fides for a potential run for the presidency of the United States. You're the first person I've heard who's actually said that besides myself. Huh. Well, it's a great opportunity for her to uh, fly her personal flag in the face of uh, the Chinese Communist Party. Oops. So what is a Nancy Pelosi say? I, I was not quite where you were on that notion. I had said I had commented, boy, she looks pretty strong. And yeah. she's making Joe Biden look really weak. But I didn't go on to the next logical step, <laughs> which was, wait a minute, maybe maybe she's planning on running for president. <laughs> and so I just in, saw her moments end, ago. Yeah, she, the, yeah, go ahead. The real interesting thing is Joe Biden, because he received instructions in unequivocal terms, we believe, at least according to what's being reported in the Chinese media, to not allow Pelosi to go to Taiwan. That was his instructions from Xi Jinping. Yeah, and then Joe Biden and, came out and said, 
you know, we don't recommend she go, but we can't keep her from going. And that was sort of the end of it. Do you think that, not that you have the ability to read Joe Biden's mind, but why do you think that he sort of backtracked on that and, and then came back and said, well, you know, we we think she should go. Did he? Did he? Well, I, yeah. I look of, at Joe Biden's behavior and I see somebody who is totally acquiescent to China, to the CCP, and has been for a long time, a long, long time. I think, you know, the first time that he really revealed that was when he, a long time ago, he said, you know, everybody talks about those Chinese as being some kind of threat. They're nice people. They're not, no, they're no threat to us. Remember that comment? Long oh, sure. It wasn't the exact words he used, but close enough. We're friends. So, we play basketball together. Yeah, we're exact. Yeah. So um, uh, he's been totally acquiescent to the Chinese, or to for the most part. You know, he does some uh, a little bit of showmanship once in a while as, as being able to stand on his own two feet. But for the most part, he's been totally acquiescent to them. So when Xi Jinping told him no, and he went ahead and did not do no, and let uh, Pelosi go as if he uh, had a choice in the matter, um, he went against Xi Jinping. Now the, the situation gets really interesting, don't you think? Uh, what Do you think Xi Jinping is going to stand idly by and uh, allow Joe Biden to get away with um, with that? I don't think so. He's going to do whatever he can uh, to change that. Let's talk for a moment about, I don't want to interrupt your train of thought, but at some point, let's also talk about how Pelosi's visit to Taiwan uh, uh, appeared to the Chinese people. You know, you have insight into how the Chinese people perceive things. What do you think they thought of, of, of Xi flagrantly uh, dismissing Xi. Uh, that that put a chink in his armor? You mean of uh, Biden dismissing Xi? No. In other words, how do you think the Chinese people view Nancy Pelosi and her decision to go to Taiwan? Do you think well, that they... I, I, would, I would suppose it would, it would appear as though it, uh, she gave him the big middle finger. Right. And, and so, and, and, yeah. Yeah. And so you've got Xi Jinping looking really bad. Yeah. Right now, I all, would say. all he could do, uh, he looks as though he's the, the little kid in the sandbox who's really mad throwing sand all over the place. Well, um, yeah. And that's not, a, it's not a good, he, he has, in fact, lost faith in this situation to this point. And there's nothing worse uh, for a Chinese leader than to lose face in front of uh, his, his constituency. That's pretty much everything. That's yeah. really, culturally, that is, uh, that is the, the everything. Everything is about honor. Uh, this yep. is, right? So, And I wonder secretly if there are people, uh, there, ha there have to be people in China that despise Xi Jinping. Of course, they would never... Share that information with well, anyone. Yes, yeah, Chiang Zemin's faction probably yeah. do. And they're probably uh, going, way to go, Nancy. <laughs> we like her. That's the American yeah. spirit we love. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so they're, they're, they are there. 
uh, and they're hiding very well right now. Uh, yeah. Because if they step out in the public and express that, they probably get their nose chopped off. So, you know, if 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 what we say about Xi Jinping losing face is true, uh, what is Xi Jinping going to do? Now, I suspect uh, he is going to make a move uh, on Joe Biden. In what how way? Will, will in what, he, yeah, how so? Is, well, I think he will call in his uh, the uh, elites he has captured here in the United States and uh, have them get rid of Biden, which I think is pretty much how he defeated Trump in the presidential election. He called in all of his elites, you know, the people who um, they, that the CCP has captured over the years with the money and the promises of money, and maybe even a honey trap or two. And, and they will turn on Joe, Joe Biden. Well, now, I, wonder, I if, wonder if one of those people will be Adam Schiff, because, you know, Adam is bought and paid for by the entire uh, uh, elitientia in Hollywood, uh, and, you know, there's billions flowing in through that community. And, and I believe in the same sense, not to get off track, but I think Adam Schiff was told in not so many words, uh, you better, you know, you better get, get Trump out of there. We can't stand him or we're not going to get you reelected, sure. buddy. Well, it wasn't just Adam, Adam Schiff. It was everybody well, that's that true. went after yeah. Trump. Yeah. You know? Right. Uh, everybody in, in business, in academia, in, uh, in Hollywood, in um, NBA. I mean, the whole... <laughs> Uh, the most hated man in America. <laughs> it's yeah. unbelievable how much vitriol there is, uh, and, and it's actually sad because it's tearing apart the fabric of of the great United States. So, well, that's the objective, don't you think? Yeah. Well, of course. So, tell me again. You think diplomatic cutting t- diplomatic ties? Not that I thought we had much of a diploma- diplomatic tie anyway. But what does that mean to the person on the street and? the United States, how does that impact us for them to cut you diplomatic know, ties? I think More finally, <laughs> there, is a, there is a realization that China is not a friend, <laughs> but China is an enemy. Now, for, for decades, we all believed that China was a friend and that we could do everything we could possibly could to help lift China up um, out, of, out of its uh, somewhat primitive state. And if we could just lift it up and, and make it a, a modern country, it would love us and uh, we'd all live happily ever after. But I think that notion is rapidly being dispelled. Um, and I think Mr. and Mrs. Person on the Street uh, is probably pretty cognizant of the fact that we have a substantial enemy in China now. And I, I think that is a huge difference, a huge well, difference. What it means is that we can expect more fentanyl coming through the border, more cybercrime. In other words, exactly right. if, they weren't, if they weren't going full throttle on trying to you know, destroy America then, then we can expect that there's going to be more and coming at us. Bit. Yeah, yeah so, but the, difference, the yeah. difference now is that, that people know that we're in this fight yeah before you know just maybe a few short years ago we we thought that china was our friend 
and that we could make a lot of money and, and uh, have a good time by do, having them do all of our dirty work. Yeah. What a great that what a great deal that was for us. Yeah, but no, not no, so much yeah. anymore. Yeah. Uh, I almost want to play devil's advocate with you, though, Michael. What if all oh, of this is just do. show? You know, Xi Jinping knows he's got Biden in his back pocket. He's just throwing his weight around. And this is just maybe a test to see, you know, how far he could push the United States. And Nancy said, you know what, I'm calling your bluff. You know, uh, w- again, you know, I, I, you know, cutting diplomatic ties. Hey, look well, at, look, you know, yeah, look at the Trump timing did that. This is beautiful. Yeah. The timing on this is beautiful for Nancy Pelosi. I mean, yeah. she looks great. Biden yeah. looks terrible. Oh, awful. Xi Jinping yeah. looks terrible. Nancy Pelosi looks great. Now, he is, G, speaking of Xi, they have elections coming up in China, which you've right. t- talked about. And so when, when are they? They're uh, October, November, November? November. November. Around the same time. Okay. So uh, do so you expect now, that he will win? Uh, boy, it's you know, the odds are that he will win because he pretty much took out all of his opposition, threw him in jail or shot him or whatever, turned him into body pot donors. So, and and he's been doing that for the better part of 10 years. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> there's not many left. Uh, those that are left don't exactly like him, that's for sure, but they're pretty much taken out of power. So I suspect that uh, he will win. Um, we'll see. What do you now, make of Zelensky in Ukraine reaching out to Xi, wanting to talk to him? What do you make of that? Uh, please help us well, against Russia. Uh, so uh, here's here's yeah. what I think. I don't know. Some acts of desperation. I see a strategic alliance between China and Russia, and and I think that China needs the Ukraine to feed it feed itself. China can't feed itself. And yeah, it you mentioned that. Ukraine to, yeah. for food. Yeah, so they're going to do and, this anyway, and they're probably if we should get to the Taiwan question, because in an alliance between Russia and China, China would have no reason not to uh, take, in their opinion, they're not taking Taiwan. Ta- Taiwan was never not theirs to begin with. Well, that's the interesting, really the interesting point about Taiwan it never did belong to China. So, how, well, where does China get the idea that this this nation is ours? Uh, from a you know, up until 50 years ago, until the um, nationalist government of, of Chiang Kai-shek moved in, uh, it belonged to Japan, and of course, Japan lost control of it at, by losing World War II. Uh, but it had been run by Japan for a long time, and then by uh, Western uh, countries for a long time before that. So, really, um, I don't think China ever did own. No, of course uh, not. But I think that that's Taiwan. the way that the leaders, the the Communist Party leaders, portray it as it's a what are the you know two one country two nations or two nations one country or whatever. That phrase well, is, essentially, they essentially they just said, uh, "Taiwan's ours. Get, get the hell out of there." Yeah, That's, and and um, so we come up with this diplomatic stuff that kind of accedes to that demand with our our, our one China policy. So we right. kind of given in to that, and that was that was signed uh, back in the Jimmy Carter days. Mm-hmm. So 
we say that there is just one China, uh, and we recognize the fact that both uh, Taiwan and China claim to be that one China. Yeah. So, well, let's talk about also the economy because that plays a big role. I know sometimes history tells us that uh, when the economy is bad, start a war. You know, uh, yeah. is this what we're going to look at with China? I mean, there it almost looks like they're. They're trying to gather the evidence they need to be able to show that it's completely appropriate for them to take Taiwan. And this might be a part of that. Well, you know, that's what happened with Argentina. When their economy went to hell, they invaded the Islas Malvinas, or the Falkland Islands, yeah. and started a war with Great Britain. So, you know, that's what uh, dictators tend to do is... Uh, when the situation gets tough at, uh, at home, you fire a, a missile into a, an aspirin factory or something. <laughs> so that you're on charge, right? Yeah. I'm in charge here. So that is the economy is uh, in very dire straits in, in China. Uh, you know, with the collapse of the real estate industry, which was like 30% of the gross national product, but even worse than that, 70% of personal wealth tied up in real estate and when that whole thing started to collapse uh, people found that, that they could not even draw money out of the bank account so uh, that's pretty t- you know that's still it's going on pretty now frightening over yeah. there yeah. yeah it's still happening now that's why i'm saying yeah. you know uh, look for the signs you know is this all a precursor we've all been talking about this since biden went into office anybody with any modicum of New sense sees that, you know, it's similar to World War II. You have factions that are emerging. There's a, there you've got the alliance and you've got the Axis, and the Axis hasn't really changed that much. You still have Iran, you still have China, and you still have, Absolutely. I mean, absent, you know, Nazi Germany. It looks pretty much the same, in some respects. But I would also say that you're right. Dictators need to grow. Taiwan is a very, it, it, it's a. Uh, you know, I use the term Borg from the movie Star Trek because, to me, communism and the Chinese Communist Party are like the Borg. They don't invent anything. They just you they assimilate what you have, and they take yep. over you, and they take everything from you and kill you and turn you into them. And that's what they kind of want to do, I think, with Taiwan is here's this rich country, semiconductor headquarters of the world, peaceful, benevolent. Uh, they've got a pretty good military, and they've got America that watches their back. And so now we have a situation, okay, well, a Nancy Pelosi presidency, huh, that could be a good thing for the, you know, South well, China it, Sea. It, it, it might not be a Nancy Pelosi presidency, but I'll bet it isn't going to be a Joe Biden presidency. No, that I, ship I sailed. Think, I, think, I think Joe Biden crossed Xi Jinping. Yeah, Ooh. and so okay. I I think uh, he's uh, in big trouble now. Yeah, what else is going on in China that we don't know about? That because you're more akin to knowing than we are. Well, here's a good one, Joe, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, and the National Institute of Health are still funding uh, Chinese biological weapons research in China. Still, uh, yeah, still. Uh, two two major fundings this year so far. One of them was to study the spread of of uh, 
contagion throughout urban areas. And what the heck was the other one? I don't remember. It right it's a monkeypox, was it? But both of both both of these are going to um, our universities that previously were called the the People's Liberation Army, yeah, that's... Uh, university medical schools, and stuff like that. So, and both of them, you know, have ties with Wuhan Virology Institute, and so on and so on. So, uh, somehow, uh, the taxpayers of the United States are still funding the gain-of-function research going on in China. That's just so wrong. It's so wrong because these. It, I have to believe that Fauci at this point understands that come the midterms, he's going to be making a lot of trips to Washington, D.C. Well, Senator Rand Paul has uh, promised to open up a Senate nego- uh, investigation into the origins of gain-and-function research, and that would put Fauci... Uh, and the National Institutes of Health right on the firing line in a very major way. I don't know how they get away. Well, I don't know what the heck they're going to say because they are— They'll obfuscate. Uh, They'll—I mean, they have Big Pharma. I think Big Pharma yeah. will step in and, uh, you, you know, just as, you know, as it would be, if you if you want to go to my uh, my website or my podcast, which is, of course— also called The Conversation with Jim Watkins. Um, we just posted up there an hour and 40 minutes of Peter McCullough, uh, Corey, I forget his first name, Dr. Corey, Jeffrey Corey maybe, and then also Robert Malone, Dr. Malone. And they gave a real good dissertation of what's happening now. Now we're entering a post-vaccine stage, and now the Chinese Wuhan virus has uh, gone into Act Three, which is vaccine injury. The number yeah. of people that are be, that are injured from vaccines are now outpacing the number of people who are uh, getting di- who are dying from COVID. There's less than 200 on any given day now. Is the average number of people that are dying from COVID-related illness? So it's not even strictly COVID. And yeah. and yet there are more emerging cases of death, permanent disability. People are starting to get the the word. It's not coming out quickly, but thank God for alternate media because you have Rumble, you have Getter, uh, you have Alt Truth, you have all these social media outlets that are not being censored by Facebook, not being censored by Twitter. The DOJ has not yet clamped down, and and I and, and you know Jim, we talked about the elites that the CCP have captured, and among them of course, our Facebook and Twitter and those those uh, giants of, of social media. Um, and it, they captured them with the promise of the big market. Yeah. And so all of them are just fawning over that possibility and will do anything that the CCP asks of them. And incidentally, with respect to COVID, you know, that uh, China just shut down a, a city with a population of, I think it was 1.76 million people because they found one case of COVID. I heard they locked down Wuhan again, which is where all this yeah, started. I think it is Wuhan. Yeah, yeah. which, yeah. Well, it, it, 
Are they ignorant? You told me before you think that they're doing this because this, again, is Xi Jinping reminding people who's boss Mm -hmm. in in that country. Well, and if if you look at the the ownership structure of the Wuhan Virology Institute, I say ownership. um, Well, it's not really an ownership. It's control. Those who control Wuhan Virology Institute... At the top of that food chain, Zhang Zemin and his his family. He's the former premier of China prior to That's Xi. Correct. Right. And he is, he's the one um, who really, you know, controls Shanghai and yeah, the right. commercial ports of, the, of eastern China. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's the one who is the big threat to Xi Jinping. Uh, so... You know, when they locked down Wuhan for one case of COVID, there you go. Got to be strange. That's got to have an Im- a negative impact on any. I mean, look, we're now all sort of the, the fog is clearing, and we've all realized that the uh, cl- the lockdowns were completely ineffective and did more harm than good. But you would think that it would not. We saw the damage that it did to our economy. We're still recovering for it. Why do Why do these smart people of uh, Peking University, who are part of the CCP, realize that they're only doing harm to themselves when they lock down these communities for one case or one death? Don't they realize that they're really shooting themselves in the foot? Well, first of all, you have to. Xi Jinping is a great fan of Chairman Mao. And Chairman Mao was responsible for the deaths of some somewhere between 45 and 80 million people. And to, to, to any any did that to gain control. And so when you look at the CCP, the only thing they really care about is control. And think of how paranoid they are. Uh, sitting on a population of 1.5 billion people. What if all those people turn against them? Right. Think of uh, think of how, my goodness, how many... Uh, can you imagine how Xi Jinping sleeps at night? I don't know. I'm very well protected, I say. <laughs> but, yeah, but by who? Uh, only the most loyal. I, I don't think the guards hang out for very long. I think they have high yeah. turnover over there. At the Xi Jinping Palace. Yeah. Um, so, so it's going to be very interesting to see what kind, what happens to Joe Biden now. I suspect, and, and you know, this is just, uh, uh, we're watching people play three-dimensional chess here. And what do you think the next move by Xi Jinping is going to be? I think he's going to make a move on Joe Biden for double-crossing him. Well... And how would we? What would be the most effective way? Have his own senators and his own Congress oh, yeah. people. Uh, yeah. I mean, there, nobody thinks he's going to run because nobody know because everybody knows that he doesn't have the stamina for it at this point. The guy can barely right. show up for a, for a scripted teleprompt session. I mean, he, and now he's what ten days into COVID. You know, he had it, then it yeah. went away. Now he's had it again. Uh, a lot of people say that he's being withheld because of his 
uh, dementia yeah. decline. Yeah. And uh, so they just don't want anybody to see how bad it's become. Now, let me I ask don't know you this. That's true or not. And this may not have anything to do with China, but it plays into China's hands. Obviously, if there's anything, any upset of government leadership. So the, the thought had crossed my mind that Kamala Harris probably has at least gotten a memo that says, be prepared, we may, we may need to sign you in at any moment uh, as president. But what, did, what does it take to get from, Nancy, uh, from Joe Biden to uh, Nancy Pelosi? And whose side oh, is Kamala there you on? go. Well, who's number three in line? Nancy right Pelosi, now. right. So, yeah. okay. you know, who, where now, are Kamala's who, allegiance? Who do you know that wants Kamala Harris to be president? Nobody, including Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know. But she could be uh, by default. Let's say, and nobody would wish this upon the man, but let's say that, you know, his oxygen levels drop and he becomes incapacitated. Uh, and he's just simply not fit for work, then you would have to temporarily sign in Kamala because you can't have a president who is incapacitated. Uh, and so you would have that that situation where Kamala could find herself being the president, at least for a little while. But she could yeah. potentially be the president from tomorrow until the end of the term. And by then, everybody will be so sick of her that, I don't know, maybe that's their plan. Maybe that's their plan is to get Joe out, Put Kamala in; she's in for a while, and the the country just slides down a cliff like a like a mansion on a California highway. <laughs> well, you know, you know, with all overlooking due respect, the beach, Jim, huh? With all due respect, um, I don't think it matters who's in the in the office of president right presidency right now because whoever is in the office is not running things at all. No, or it's being run by people who have and, very small yeah. brains. Uh-huh. Uh, I I suspect um, somebody has, you know, an earbud in Joe Biden's ear, and they just tell him what to do. Hunter and there is or Samantha you know, Powers. There's, there's a one. There's a wonderful um, clip. Uh, I have it in my cell phone of um, President uh, President Obama say, talking about a possible third term, and what he was saying is that my ideal third term would be to have somebody in office that I could put an earbud in their ear yeah. and I could just tell them what to do and they would do it and I would not have to stand in front of the public. Yeah. I, was, I think it was, uh, I don't know who did it, but I have the clip in my cell phone and play it. Maybe it was in that Bruce Springsteen podcast. Who knows? Well, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah. I don't think... Uh, it doesn't really matter if Kamala is president or not, because whoever is there is not there to be a leader. Whoever is in the presidency of the United States at this point in time is there to be a follower for whoever the leader is. That's and whatever what agenda I, they have, which appears to yeah, be boy, very yeah. progressive, very woke. So well, we, they, did we, pro- they did promise to fundamentally transform America, did they not? They did. And, uh, and what did they promise to transform America to? They never really said that, did they? Well, it has something to do with diversity, equity, and uh, tolerance. But uh, aside from that, I don't really know. We haven't talked about the agricultural part, which you are an expert at. I get all of your uh, Michael Olson of China Watch uh, here, and he is the not only the host and executive 
producer of that show, but he also is very in tune with agriculture. And so a lot of people are wondering, well, let's go back to 2015, and there's an accord. I forget what it's called. Maybe it was the Vienna Accord. I don't know. But basically it was a bunch of uh, uh, well-to-do, very wealthy people, who uh, governments, who decided that they were going to have a sustain, I think it's called the Sustainability 2030 Project or something. And so essentially part of that is getting rid of cows, uh, getting rid of certain kinds of fertilizers that they say puts greenhouse gases into the, uh, you know, the troposphere or whatever, warms our ha- planet, all of this nonsense that makes no sense and it's not been ever proven outside of a laboratory. But what's going on with this land grab and how concerned are you as an agriculturalist that we are going to do a repeat of what Mao Zedong did in the 50s, Stalin did in the 40s, maybe the 50s? I mean, we could literally find ourselves in food lines in a very short time, couldn't we? Well, yes, and thank you for bringing that. Uh, I, I, my, food cha- I have my radio show about agri- food and agriculture is called The Food Chain, and I jokingly refer to it as what's eating what radio. Yeah. Now, you're absolutely right. Um, what the effort to curtail agriculture uh, is starting to re- look like to me is Chairman Mao's smashing the sparrows campaign. Right. In, in which, you know, tens of millions of people eventually starved to death uh, because Mao got it in his mind that he could save the world by killing all the sparrows of China. Silly as that might seem, I suggest people uh, go do a search for Mao's smashing the sparrows campaign to see how crazy that looked. But everybody was forced to buy in on it, and they did. And they smashed all the sparrows of China, only to realize that the sparrows weren't eating the grain, they were eating the locusts. And with all the sparrows gone, the locusts came, and they ate all the food, and the people starved to death. Now, we think that all we have to do to save the world is to get rid of all hydrocarbon fuels and fertilizers, and we'll save the world. But actually what is going to happen is that it's going to make food so expensive to eat that we'll probably see a lot of of hungry people running around the world. Two examples of, of... how this is working. One is with diesel fuel. You know, people often think that um, what we eat is, is food, but no, what we really eat is diesel because every step along the food way of the food chain from, from preparing the land for planting to harvesting to processing to transportation is fueled with diesel. And they have ratcheted the price of diesel up almost triple what it was when Trump was president, which means everything is going to cost much, much more. And right now we're eating last year's crops. This year's crops haven't been harvested. Oh, that's not that's something I hadn't thought about. So all of the costs of of this manifold increased price of diesel uh, is just, you know, working its way up the food chain to our dinner plate. And it's going to hurt. Now, how's that going to affect California's agriculture? That's the 
that and the Midwest are the two primary breadbaskets. How is it going to work when Newsom's 2030 zero, zero emissions, zero electric cars? At some point, he's going to have to realize that if he doesn't allow for diesel operation, he's going to destroy the agricultural industry. Well, that's probably what farmers would tell you. And and so I wanted to finish up the thought because diesel is only one half of the equation. Right, right. The other half of the equation is fertilizer, all right? Uh, The same thing is is true there. They're raising the price and the uh, reducing the availability of of fertilizers, especially nitrogen, which Yeah, what's the deal with nitrogen? uh, How does that affect the soil? Well, nitrogen is is what turns plants green. You know, there are three primary soil nutrients, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Nitrogen is made out of natural gas. And uh, so if you use a lot of of, uh, water-soluble nitrogen in the soil, uh, what it can do is percolate down into the water table. And and uh, when people are drinking uh, water out of the out of the aquifers instead of out of the city water, um, that that water can contain excess nitrates in it, and it can create uh, a situation called blue baby syndrome. So young children drinking this water uh, actually turn blue huh, because their, their bodies can't process the oxygen. So the overuse of, uh, of nitrogen is a very dangerous stuff. But that's not just all they're working on. They're working on the nitrification of, of, uh, of animal manure. It turns into urea, and, it, and that's the nitri- nitrogen that uh, is a greenhouse gas. So in Europe right now, they're trying to reduce the amount of uh, urea or, or um um, animal waste by 75 to 90 percent, which means farmers can't raise animals. Well, is this a good thing, bad thing? I can't really tell what your well, perspective it's, is. Well, it's a, it's a great thing if you don't want to eat. <laughs> well, okay. okay. Now, so here's what I see happening. I see, I see things like Bill Gates, who's buying up farmland throughout the United States, and he has a very strong uh, uh, environmental bent in which he is, I suspect, taking this land and doing something that will save the earth with it, which I think includes getting rid of, of growing crops and raising animals. Okay. Now, what is the flip side of Bill Gates' investment? Well, he's invested heavily in patented foods like the Impossible Burger. So if you can get rid of all the animals, you know, you get the environmental community behind you, you get the uh, animal rights community behind you, we must get rid of animals in agriculture because it's cruel, it causes greenhouse gases, so let's get rid of all the animals, and then what are we going to do for protein? Well, Impossible Burgers. Which uh, makes which are, men grow breasts. Which, so, yes, um, which, are, which yeah. are patented, and they own by them. So a great idea, don't you think, if you're 
uh, an oligarch who's got a lot of yeah. money, and you want to get people to eat your stuff and not sure, real to stuff. eliminate the competition. So this is what's yeah. happening in Sri Lanka, right? Because they started this program they part of that 2015 sustainability program. They got some person who was in there. Uh, I guess I should ask you this question because uh, somebody did a, I think it was uh, Tucker Carlson. And he finally gave a little bit of time to explaining how it is that George Soros can affect life in America you know, by getting these district attorneys to, uh, you know, be, uh, who, who do not do not believe in incarceration for criminals because it's social injustice and whatever. So he, he bankrolls these, these attorneys to get elected. And so I always wonder, they say that he's doing it because he wants to fundamentally transform America into a socialist, whatever. But, but he doesn't like communism. He hates communism. But they wait, both wait, seem wait, to wait, 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 Or he, he hates the Chinese. He loves, he, George Soros is an investor in the commercialization of the research that's coming out of the Wuhan Virology Institute. Oh, I see. So he's got his hands in that, too. Yes. Now, if you listen to George Soros, he, he condemns Xi Jinping. It's a Bad dictator, he says. Yeah. And not good for the world. But what is he really saying? He's really saying that I want Jiang Zemin. Oh, I see. I get it. So he's posi- he's because lobbying for the, his horse in the race. That's exactly right. Okay, that explains it. Okay. Well, look, we've had so much opportunity to cover so much ground. Let me again plug what you do. You're the host and executive director of China Watch. You're also... Uh, the manager of KSCO in Santa Cruz, which is a great radio station. It's a heritage radio station and a good part of, of the state. And you are also, you have a food show, you have a column, you have all yeah, these. The, it's the uh, food chain radio show. So what's eating what? It's only for people who eat food. Well, Nobody that includes everybody. should listen to it. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and, of course, my resident expert on China Joining me here on the conversation with yours truly, Jim Watkins. Uh, Michael, if people want to watch your show or listen to your show, China Watch, it's ChinaWatch.org? Yeah, you try and just ChinaWatchRadio.com. Okay, ChinaWatchRadio.com. Yeah, and FoodChainRadio.com. Well, it's always a pleasure, and I always learn so much listening to you, as I'm sure the audience does as well. So I look forward to having you on the next time. Hopefully not until... Hopefully we won't be under the conditions of World War III. So we'll <laughs> keep our fingers crossed. All right? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, sir. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you again soon.